Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My computer is broken because I cannot read. So I have a particularly technologically challenged coworker who always drives me up the wall. We'll call him Geoff. I know I'm probably mispronouncing that, so please forgive me. Today, Geoff hit a new low. We use a custom proprietary software at work, and we all have production and sandbox links in our desktops. But most people never use the sandbox environment. When you open the sandbox, it's very evident because you get a pop-up warning that you're not in production. Not an hour ago, I hear Geoff ranting at his desk because I got a weird pop-up telling me that I'm in sandbox, but I click the same link I always do, so something's screwed up here. I walk over, and as I'm approaching his desk, I assure him that he probably just accidentally clicked the wrong shortcut. It happens. He responds with, no, but I click the same link in the same place on my computer that I always do. I look at the open software and it clearly says he's in sandbox environment. So I have him close it and show me the shortcut he opened. Again, he insists that it's the same place I always click to open our software. I point to the shortcut he indicates and ask, what does that shortcut say? Um, it says sandbox. Okay, so you did click the wrong shortcut. Geoff starts getting more panicked, but then what happened to the old one that was right there? I take two seconds to, you know, read, and find the shortcut on his desktop. I point it out and then quickly walk away before he makes another comment to tip me over the edge. <sighs> How do you make people open their eyes and read? Unfortunately, people are who they are. They're just not going to read or pay attention or believe anything that you say. Submission is subpar. I once worked for a local nerd shop who was trying to crack a government contract. One in particular came up. The contract would have been well above what we were capable of providing. But nonetheless, CEO wanted to make a submission in the service tender process. I was given the job of writing it. They had never won a government contract and wanted a fresh set of eyes for this one. My previous life in a different IT world would be useful. Now, writing had never been my forte. Still isn't. Sorry about that. Our little nerd shop did standard IT consulting. Our typical clients were businesses with 1 to 10 terminals. Had some larger but no significant size. Along came the tender process for whole of government IT services. Hardware, virtualization, data centers, internet security, device security, email, VPN, VOIP, help desk, etc., etc. Many multi-million dollar active, active services to be run. They wanted to be tech supplier slash support that rivaled our country's largest telco. I didn't know much about some of the services we were trying to sell. We were literally reselling big IT products. I arranged for some one-on-one -on -one with the vendors so I could understand. Yup, in previous life I'd done similar things. Never to this scale, but I understood. I quickly came to see the conclusion that me writing the submission was a bad idea. 
Plus, as stated, I'm no wordsmith. I decided that I'd actually try to get the big companies to write their end themselves. They're the subject matter experts and they wanted the government contracts too. So I asked HV, etc. to write their bits and I'll just marry them together. Slowly they trickle in and I cut and paste into the rough template I made on how I think the submission should flow. Many weeks and one very large document later, I think I'm finished. As I hand the document to my boss, CEO, he informs me of the pressure to get a contract as they've never won a government contract before. Life for me returned back to my hell desk role. As time passed, we find we didn't win and the boss decides to debrief me. Turns out he wasn't happy with the quality of my work. I clearly didn't understand the products as my description of their functions and inner workings were way off and I was poor with my grammar. He spent several days rewriting the submission and he was not impressed. He didn't mince his words either. He blamed me for not winning the contract and blamed me for not having enough time to rewrite it. I didn't have the heart to tell him that the technical aspects were written by the engineers and sales teams of the actual vendors. If he rewrote the work of specialists, it's no wonder they didn't win many contracts. So there you have it, a different twist, trying to win a contract to become tech support. That makes me wonder, I mean, is he rewriting all of them? So if he's getting specs and stuff from people who are experts on that particular field, subject, software, whatever, is he? does he not believe them and he's rewriting their stuff too? That sounds bad. Broken Wi-Fi Several years ago, I did local support for a call center. Management were using HP 8470P laptops. IM equals irate manager. Irate manager is storming into the desktop support office with a friend. This laptop is defective. I want a new one. Me. That's brand new. What's wrong with it? Irate manager. It doesn't connect to any Wi-Fi. Me. Odd. I tested it and was able to connect. Can I see your laptop, please? I immediately noticed that the Wi-Fi button is turned off. I turn it back on and voila, it wants to connect. Irate manager is mortified and embarrassed. Her friend is cracking up. Oh, I did the wrong voice. Oh, well. Irate manager. You're not going to laugh at me, are you? That voice is better. I pause for a moment. No, I won't laugh to your face, but I may once you leave the office. Irate manager. Thanks. <laughs> hey, at least he was honest. Great idea. Let's use technology to ignore bad behavior from our dealer network. Company sold a product that was sold to consumers almost exclusively through our independent dealer network. When a consumer bought one of our products from a dealer, the dealer was contractually obligated to log into our warranty system and register that product by serial number and supply the buyer's information. Makes sense and sounds pretty simple. Apparently not for the paranoid small business owners of the world. I was invited to a meeting with a couple of product safety people. A summary of the conversation between me Watts, and product safety person. PSP, we'd like to add a place on our public website where consumers can register their new product themselves. Watts, how does it get registered today? PSP, the dealers are supposed to be doing it, but they often use their own address because they don't want us to have their customers' contact information. If we have a product recall, we can get hundreds or even thousands of the mailed notices returned because the person doesn't live at that address. It gets really bad if the dealer has gone out of business. So you're telling me that our answer to dealers not living up to their contractual obligation of correctly completing warranty registrations is to try and get consumers to do it themselves on our website and then somehow reconcile the information they enter with whatever the dealer might have entered? Why don't we just get the dealers to do their job right and live up to the terms of the contract? PSP, after a long pause. 
PSP looks at the other PSP in the meeting. I think I need to have a conversation with the VP of Sales. Watts has a point. Y'all think? Score one for common sense and holding people accountable for doing their effing job instead of getting IT to fix it. Yeah, I don't understand. People are always trying to get away with doing stuff, shortcuts, and getting away with doing the least amount of work possible. And then you all want to give them an out. Read what the message options say before calling for help. I'm not hired as tech support at the company I work with, but I've said I enjoy playing games on my PC, which basically means I'm a tech guru according to some of my colleagues, some of which are not much older than me. A colleague, Sven, calls me. Sven, I've just installed that new software, but after the installation there is a text box telling me to restart the computer. Me. Okay. Can you please read word for word what the actual message is? Sven. In order to use this software with all its features, you need to restart your computer. But I can't restart now. I'm in the middle of something. Me. Alright. And what are your options? <laughs> Sven. To restart now, or, what felt like 20 seconds of silence, restart later? Me. Okay, do you need to use this software and all its features right now? Sven. No. Me. Then click the restart later option. Sven. Okay, great, thanks. And he hangs up. Some hours later, Sven calls again. Okay, I've restarted my computer now. Me. Okay. What do I need to do now? Me, realizing that he's now ready to use this software with all its features. Just launch the software and start using this software with all its features. <laughs> okay, great, thanks. And he hangs up again. It should also be added that Sven also has called when he got a tip of the day message upon launch of some software, even though his only option is to click OK. Oh man, that's the worst case of analysis paralysis I've ever seen in my life. You know, where people go onto a website and there's way too many options of something to purchase, so, so they kind of freeze up and then just don't make any decisions and don't buy anything. How to build a railgun, accidentally. Story from a friend who's an electrician from his days as an apprentice and how those days almost ended him. He was working, along with other professionals, on some kind of industrial emergency power room. Not generators alone, mind you, but rows and rows of massive batteries, intended to keep operations running before the generators powered up and to take care of any deficit from the grid side for short durations. Well, a simple install was required, as those things always are. A simple install in an awkward place under the ceiling. So up on the ladder our apprentice goes, doing his duty without much trouble, and the minimal amount of curses required. That is until he dropped his wrench, which landed precisely in a way that shorted terminals on the battery bank he was working above. An impressively loud bang, and probably a couple pissed pants, later, and the sad remains of the wrench were found on the other side of the room, firmly embedded into the concrete wall. I don't know that I've ever had a wrench fly that far just from hitting terminals. I remember once, we, my buddy had this old Plymouth Horizon. If you don't know what it is, Google it. I may throw a picture up here. We grew up in Jersey, so you couldn't pump your own gas. So that was our big teenage job. It was either fast food or pump gas. We pumped gas. So at night, we'd pull up into this gas station and make fun of the other guys pumping gas when we were, had the night off. But the uh, timing on the Plymouth Horizon was running really rough. Well, I knew how to sort of adjust timing by ear and uh, offered to help him adjust it. It wouldn't be perfect, but it would help him get by until he could get it into a shop. So I got a wrench out of the trunk and uh, 
loosened the, the nut that held the distributor in place. And I grabbed the top of that distributor to give it a little turn just to see if I could smooth things out a little. And uh, evidently, either one of the uh, spark plug wires or the coil wire had a little uh, break in the insulation and totally shocked me bad enough that the wrench in my other hand flew all the way across the parking lot. And I think that was mostly just for making me jerk, but yeah, electricity is a wondrous thing. Even the best locked and secured computers get viruses. Years ago, my department received word from our security department that we had a PC on our building's network that was hitting their virus honeypot subnet. So the search began. All they could give us was an IP address and a computer name, which we didn't recognize. We combed through the entire building, room by room, and took it as an opportunity to inventory everything in the building and found a few PCs hidden under professors' desks and in their closets, but no luck finding the one that was spewing nasties onto our network. Security had already killed the network jack, so we figured someone would complain eventually, but no dice. We finally had to give up the search, scratching our heads that no one would miss it. Fast forward to about a year later, the media library for our building was undergoing renovations, and the new manager of that area contacted us about possibly fixing the network on a computer they were intending to use to keep a database of their books and media on. It was in a vault. A large room-sized vault. One that we didn't even know existed nor had access to. So as we're checking on this ancient PC and marveling at how there was even a network cable drilled through the vault walls, and then it dawns on us. It's the missing diseased PC! They hadn't opened the vault in years, nor knew what was inside. Crazy that the most secure systems are still vulnerable. It really is true that the only way to keep a computer safe is to unplug the network cable. Well, the only true way to keep it safe is to just unplug it. All the way. Do you think they got the electricity pipes mixed up with the water pipes? This is from my genius bar days. Young woman came in with her phone no longer turning on. I take the device into the back, open it up, and there's a lot of evidence of liquid damage. It smelled of cheap vodka and beer. Oh. Every LCI was triggered, standing booze still in the device. The device was toast. I make my way back out to the bar to inform her of the bad news. I tell her, yeah, it looks like this device came in contact with some sort of liquid and is unable to be repaired because of that. She then looks at me with a very confused look and says, That's so weird. I had no idea how it could have gotten wet. I went to the bar last night and got back to my motel, plugged my phone into my charger and awoke with my phone not turning on. Do you think they could have gotten the pipes mixed up in the motel? I respond, uh, What? With a very confused look. She reiterated, do you think the motel's electricity pipes got mixed up with their water pipes? And the water got injected into my phone when I plugged it into the charger? <laughs> At this point I laughed because I thought she was making a joke. She proceeded with a very serious look, and then I immediately stopped, realizing this woman truly believes that water could have gotten injected into her phone through the outlets in her wall. I then explained how that's impossible and showed her what a wire looks like and how that's not a pipe. I basically gave her a physical science lesson during our appointment. She then paid to have her phone swapped out of warranty and somehow managed to know her Apple ID and password and had a full iCloud of backup of her data. She left the store happy as a clam. I left the store that day terrified knowing she drives a car. I get it. Some people don't know much about electricity. Some people don't know much about plumbing. But you gotta know you can't get water through an electrical thing. You can get electrical through water lines though. 
depending on how they're made and if there's water in them or not. Making users say sweet nothings to their server. A very ancient tale of my first job out of college. I worked for a tech company that sold turnkey systems. The techs were rotated through support, which sometimes meant we had to travel to customer sites. I was lucky to have one that was between the office and my home, so I'd leave work early and stop by anytime they needed something. The customer contact was from Spain. Very charismatic, friendly, and about the same age. We became good friends. One morning, as I walked into the office, I get a message from him. He was in a complete meltdown because the server had halted and was not responding. This was a large Unix Mini, multiple refrigerator-sized cabinets, that served the entire company. Finance, HR, everything. I ran to my car and drove to the site. When I got to the computer room, he was practically pulling his hair out and swearing at the system in Spanish, speaking a million miles an hour. I immediately start checking all the system status lights. It was then that I noticed on the master console the X off light. Somebody had hit the console pause, which instantly freezes the entire system. I couldn't resist myself. I started talking to this large system saying such things as, Don't let the bad man scare you, and other sweet nothings. When he wasn't looking, I hit the X on, and the system immediately started and picked up all of the batch jobs. I hung around to make sure everything was fine. I also told him that he hurt the server's feelings and had to be nicer. <laughs> I was joking, of course. Everything was back to normal by the time the managers rolled into the office, and nobody noticed anything was amiss. After not hearing from him for a few months, I thought I would stop by and see if everything was okay. He was very happy and all smiles. Everything was running perfectly. Not one glitch, and he had just been promoted. He told me about his daily routine. When he comes in every morning, he sings Spanish love. <laughs> oh I think I just peed. <laughs> when he comes in every morning, he sings Spanish love songs in front of the server and Spanish lullabies when he leaves for the day. <laughs> I was dumbfounded because I thought he knew I was kidding. After confessing, he stared at me for a few minutes before laughing very loudly. He told me that everyone thought he was a little crazy singing to a computer, but since everything was working so well, nobody told him to stop. I took him and his wife out to dinner to a very nice restaurant as an apology. A week's wage was worth it. I could just imagine this. I can't do anything in Spanish, but English. Rockabye server on the network. <laughs> oh. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.